After 35 years of collecting, Jake has acquired more than 1,000 Nebraska football radio and TV broadcasts. Probably my favorite era is the 1970s, you know, that I grew up in. And I... Jake spends hours transferring from reel to reel and editing at his computer. You know, there are little nuggets. Okay, for instance, like that 1960 Army game. This 56-year-old has developed an enormous color-coded system uh, of DVDs and blue. computer files. To me, it's preservation of history. Welcome to another episode of the Fan Forum. Uh, last week, we were joined by Husker historian himself, Mike Babcock. On that episode, uh, we used quite a few clips that uh, were done by our guest tonight. Uh, this week, we're joined by the Husker media historian, uh, Paul Jake Jacobson, but we're going with Jake here. Yeah, more Husker people tapes. call me Jake uh, than Paul, yeah. Jake, well, welcome to the forum, Jake. I appreciate it. Yeah, that uh, that clip there was from Lance Schwartz when you did a, a Lance's journal. Lance has been a, a past member or past guest on the uh, I, fan I forum, saw so. Lance's broadcast. Not everybody can say they've had Lance in their basement, probably. <laughs> Lance is a... Lance is a good dude. I've known him for, for a long time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've only known you a short time, but I can tell you're a good dude too. We've, we've sat here and talked some football already and, and uh, before we got on. And, and I think that's, that's what the whole point of this fan forum is. It's one-on-one -on -one conversations with fans. It's not about getting real deep about, you know, X's and O's and, you know, what's right or wrong with the program right now. This is just about fun and, and what, you know, why are you a fan? What made you a fan and, and having a chance to kind of hear your story. Um, before we do that, let's get to our uh, our normal uh, promotions here. And we have the red uh, the Hale Varsity uh, promo code Redcast. If you use that at checkout at hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, you'll get ten dollars off your annual subscription. Uh, Alumni Hall. There's two Lincoln locations: downtown eleven twenty P Street and the new one at South Point Pavilions, right behind Barnes and Noble. Uh, FSE Edge. Uh, if you're looking to make a career change, check them out at www.jobs.fsc dot com and of course uh we have shane and laura smack and smooch out there in elwood custom shirts and specialty items and you can get them at smack and smooch on facebook and twitter all right jake well let's uh let's you know look at the four questions here just as a as a whole this just to remind everyone what the fan form is we'll ask what are, why are you a husker fan what is your favorite husker fan memory who are your all-time favorite Huskers, and how do you think they'll do next year? We'll get to that. But before we do, I kind of want to just get a little start with a little intro to you. You know, number one, that I, I saw off your website, the Journal Star, it said, quote, he knows the history and the contents of the broadcast like some people know scripture. That's a pretty high praise, and that's a nice way of being called. I mean, what is it you do, and how did you get into doing this? Well, you know, um, as a kid— uh, I, I guess I came uh, became infatuated with the game of the century, the 1971 Nebraska-Oklahoma game. And I wanted to see that game again. And at the time, okay, I was, you know, maybe 20 years old. And, you know, the, the, the recordings just weren't out there. I think uh, there was a magazine uh, that is defunct that put out a uh, – uh, radio recording of Lyle Bremser's call of that on cassette. Uh, you know, I, I located that, but I wanted to see the video again and I didn't want to see grainy film. I didn't want black and white film. I wanted to see the ABC broadcast. And uh, I think uh, 
the Channel 12 in Lincoln, the public television, you know, mm -hmm. broadcast it, uh, did a rebroadcast. And uh, then next thing you know, the VHS is out and, and you can kind of watch it again. For instance, like Johnny Rogers punt return. You know, I, I know you talked about it with, with Mike last week. I was, you know, nine at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I know you people are at home are doing the math and going, okay, that means he's old now. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but I had no idea Johnny Rogers punt return was in the first quarter. And I remember, of course, I remember Johnny Rogers punt return. And uh, uh, then I, I remember against Alabama, he did it again. And here I am nine, 10 years old. And I just thought that Johnny Rogers does that every game. I mean, mm -hmm. every time, every time I watch Johnny Rogers returns a punt for a touchdown. So uh, it was kind of got to where I, that kind of fueled it. Um, and then I, I uh, as far as the radio broadcast go, I, I just enjoy listening uh, to the old games. I like listening to events seen and heard as, as they were played. Uh, it's just different than telling, you know, having somebody tell you about it. Mm -hmm. You get the excitement of the crowd. You get the emotion uh, at, at the time. And, and then you hear some familiar names every once in a while uh, that, that you forgot. Uh, you think back um, uh, where you were at the time when that game was played. You know, I, I don't know how many times I uh, somebody will say, you know, you know I, I was – I was at my grandma's house when that was, I was at that game or, you know, you know, things of that. Anybody that's a Nebraska fan knows that you associate uh, football games with childhood memories or great memories. And, you know, that's kind of, I guess, uh, mm -hmm. where it kind of all started from. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting when we talked to Babcock, he kind of goes over a little bit of the history of how, how TV and, and radio worked with games. I mean, we take it for granted today that every game is on, you know, national TV, ESPN, whatever it is. But, but back in the day, like you mentioned, the game of the century, it'd be on channel 10 or uh, I remember in 83, that was the first year I remember every game and Nebraska plays at Minnesota in the Metrodome. And I think Bob Devaney might've been doing like the broadcast for channel seven. I think he was on the TV and, and it's like, that that's just bizarre. And so you're, you're putting together, you're finding videos that have been long lost, and then you're finding radio broadcasts that have been long lost, and you're and you're ma matching them up and syncing them together, and and now we just take it for granted. Quite honestly, I take it for granted that I I can watch Yanni Rogers return that punt and have Lyle Brunzer's voice over it, but that just wasn't always there either. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mention that. Uh, when I grew up, uh, boy, if Nebraska was on twice a year, that was a lot. Well. Mm -hmm twice a year and then the bowl game. So it didn't happen all the time. Uh, you know, ex exactly what you're talking about, you know, and, and Bob Devaney, uh, I, I've got one game, you know, it branches out into other areas of, of college football, pro football. You know, I've, I've got, uh, you know, some Nebraska basketball, um, but I have uh, one game I, uh, from 1974. Uh, it's the Tennessee I think it's 1974 Tennessee UCLA game where uh, that year during uh, the season, ABC would have guest coaches come on as their analysts. Hmm. And uh, Bob Devaney was the, was the guest that week and did the game 
it was either with Bill Fleming or Keith Jackson. So oh. Bob was horrible at grammar. I always remember he'd always <laughs> does and don't. He would always misuse those. So. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's start with the first question here, and uh, it will lead to all kinds of conversations. But but number one, why are you a Husker fan? Uh, you know what? I born in Nebraska and it, it just comes natural. Um, I, I, I didn't go to my first game till I was 15. I remember, I remember, uh, following the teams. Okay. Well, you know, when you're eight to 11 years old, that's when you start to kind of formulate your favorite team. And, you know, and during those years, when I was 8 to 11 years old, those were the 1970 national championship years. I, I mean, really, how, how great a time to grow up uh, is when Nebraska is winning their first national championship. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was probably a fan of the team for three years before I knew they could even lose a game. <laughs> I mean, it, it was uh, – I, I, you know, I, I remember waking up uh, – the morning after the UCLA game in 1972 and my mom told me Nebraska lost and I was like no way <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it mm-hmm. and and so uh it, it was just a just a great time you know I was like anybody else you know I grew up on a farm uh you know near Firth Nebraska um uh, you know you listen to Lyle Bremser in the autumn uh you know the you know you can hear the pheasant you know, the shotguns from pheasant hunters going <laughs> off in the background and, you know, we're out in the, in the, uh, you know, we're, uh, maneuvering our fence so the cows can go out and the corn stalks and eat, you know, so it's just, just me being a Nebraska kid is what makes me a fan. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's so interesting. And Rob just had some, something going across the bottom that said like kids today. Yeah. Kids are fans for three years before they win a game. And it's the, you know, it's a, it's the sad yeah. joke of right now. But, but there is there's an element of truth to that of the formative years of when you're at that age like you said for your age it was your seven it's 1970 and 71 and your you know your formative years there my first year as I mentioned was 83 and uh, forever I'll, I'll never forget 44 to six against Penn State in the kickoff classic I'll never forget any game after that 84 to 13 against Minnesota and we go 12 and 0 during the season we're number one ranked from beginning to end. We end the season with the Heisman winner. We have Stein coolers, the, the Lombardi and the, and the Outland winner. We have the number one and the number two pick in the draft the next year. Uh, and we would have had, you know, even number three, if, if Rozier would have, wouldn't have gone USFL. And, you know, that just became like, that was normal. And I was like, Oh, this yeah. is what happens every year. And because yeah. of that, yeah. I don't know what it would be like. I don't know what my fandom, I hope it wouldn't be different, but I don't know how, how it would be different if I was, five years old today, you know, or six years old today or some during some other era? Well, you know, the, I guess the only way I can relate to that is, uh, you know, my son is 18. So he would have been born obviously what 2004. Um, and, and we haven't really had a lot of success in mm-hmm. his lifetime and he's a fan, but I, I, I think he's a fan because of me. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he won't watch a game start to finish. He'll come watch it for a little while, get up and leave. Um, but I'll I'll still watch a game start to finish. But you know, you you raise a good point. Would would I have been a fan if if I was born in the 1950s? 
you know, I, I mm -hmm. might not be. Uh, you know, it that says, though, that's how important I think it is that people of our generations and you and I are, are slightly different generations, but we're still we're from that Husker generation of we we experienced it when it was at its best. I was in college in the 90s. So, you know, yeah. um, you know, when you've experienced that, I, I would think the same thing about like the people that were in 1961 after 20 years of, of down football. I'm sure that I'm sure there were young youngins that were born in 45 that were like, well, who cares about Husker football? We haven't been good forever. And there's those people that remember the Rose Bowl going, no, no, we, you know, we're, we're Nebraska and we're going to get back to yeah. that. And we, yeah. we had a winning record against the four horsemen and, you know, we had Sam Francis and all these great, and so I'm sure that there were people in the early sixties having some of those same conversations that we have right now, where it's like, no, I know it hasn't been what we wanted the last five years for sure. And yeah, the last, 15 to 20 years haven't even met that, that standard, but, but you can do great things at Nebraska and we're not giving up and we're going to keep showing up. And if we keep doing that, hopefully the next generation shows up and wants to, wants to be a part well, of it. One of the things that, that is remarkable to me is, you know, even given their lack of success is uh, that stadium is full every Saturday. And so that tells me that the, the fandom and the enthusiasm is, is, is there, uh, no matter what. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and I guess that'll be my recruiting pitch to anybody that wants to come here. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, if, if you're going three and nine at Penn state, you know, that stadium isn't going to be full. If you're going three and nine in Michigan, that stadium isn't going to be full. You come mm -hmm. here, that stadium's going to be full and we're going to be backing you every week. So, Absolutely. Well, I mentioned the 41 Rose Bowl there, and I, I have a couple of clips here that you sent me. W would you like to hear one of them? One of them was a goal line stand. The other one, I'm, I'm not sure what the other one was. Well, but... I tell you what, the first one is is their uh, it's their first touchdown. And I'll, I'll give you a little background on that. And I got this information from Jack Payne, who just recently passed away. Mm -hmm. As you listen to this clip, you'll notice very little crowd noise. Very little. Uh, it's almost like he was. Uh, I, I think it was uh, Bill Stern uh, from NBC Radio is doing the play-by-play, -play. and the reason that there is uh, no crowd noise is because uh, the broadcast rules back then prevented band music from being played over the air, and so they had to be very careful about any outside noise going out. So this is essentially uh, this is this as you play it, this will be Nebraska's first touchdown in the 1941 Rose Bowl. And like I said, it's a, it's a remarkable recording. So yeah, here we go. Ahead. Nebraska has moved majestically from their own 25 down to the Stanford nine. Two minutes, a little better than three minutes have gone by in the first period of the game from Pasadena, the Rose Bowl game. The score is nothing to nothing, but Nebraska is knocking at the golden gate. The Cornhuskers have come from Lincoln, Nebraska with fire in their eyes. Biff Jones sent 11 men on on that field that are determined to score and score early. Nebraska back into a huddle. They're huddling about 10 yards behind that line of scrimmage now. Stanford is down on their own three-yard line, playing a seven-man line, one man backing it up. All right, here comes Nebraska back to the line of scrimmage. Harry hops in the tail, back a single wing over to the right. Fike Francis in the number three. The ball goes to Fike Francis. He puts his head down, throws into the ground, the line of scrimmage. Let the referee call that when he hasn't put his hands up as yet. He does. It's a touchdown for Nebraska. Mike Francis takes a direct pass from center, puts his head down, plows over the center of the line of scrimmage, is finally stopped by Norman Stanley, but not until he had carried Stanley over the goal line, and Nebraska is out in front six to nothing. And so Nebraska has scored first in the Rose Bowl and leads Stanford six to nothing.
now now I I I took that radio audio and synced it up with the film. So I've mm-hmm. actually got a, a, a little bit of broadcast of that. Uh now okay, uh I gotta credit Mike Babcock. He kind of partnered with me to get that recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh like I said, I, I was working in the uh, I guess I told you off air, I was working in the library for the blind at the time and i I we dealt with the National Library Service and and uh anyway Mike uh Mike I, I discovered in their archives they had a couple old Nebraska games, uh the, the 41 Rose Bowl, uh they had the 66 Orange Bowl against Alabama and Mike goes, uh, you know, you gotta try to get that Rose Bowl. And I was like, All right. So I sent him an email and and uh they they send me back if I, I apparently have to meet these stipulations. Well, first of all, you gotta get uh uh copyright approval from nbc universal and i'm like all right i'm dead right there they're not going to give me copyright permission and so anyway i sent them a letter sent them another letter and they sent me back a form and they called me and they just essentially they said what are you going to do with it and you know i'm thinking well i i got to have something real official to tell them i can't just say i want to listen to it (laughs) you know and i just said Basically, I didn't lie. I did say, look, I, I just want to listen to it. Well, what they were trying to find out was, you're not going to sell it, are you? Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I, I just I just want to listen to it. So lo and behold, much to my surprise, they, they gave me copyright permission. Uh, NBC Universal did. Well, then you got to pay engineering fees, uh, which essentially, you know, you got to convert uh, obsolete uh, media to a modern day media. And I'm not going to tell you how much we paid. Uh, but it, it, it's hard to tell your wife, Hey, can I spend this much money <laughs> on a, on a football game? Uh, so my wife, a uh, football game that happened 70 years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, uh, anyway, you know, credit my wife that <laughs> she was gracious enough to let me do it. And then my, I, I, I got a hold of Mike and I said, look, this is what it is. I, but it's going to cost us much. And he goes, I'll go happies with you. And so, uh, uh, Mike and I were uh, responsible for getting that out of the library of Congress. So. Oh, that is, that's outstanding. I, uh, one of the films, you know, the biographies of Husker football history that I would watch growing up, I'm sure Mike was on this one. Um, but they, they showed that 41 game and I can remember Keith Jackson was doing it because Keith Jackson says, you know, in the second half, you know, Nebraska was doing well, but then the second half, Pete Kavenovich of Stanford returns yeah. a punt. And for the next 20 years, Husker football kind of went downhill. Yeah. And it was well, in fact, while you're doing that, Honky, let's play that goal line stand. Okay. Here we go. All right. The ball is resting. The referee's just putting it down one yard away from the goal line. Here's a terrific goal line stand by Nebraska. They've stood off these hard-charging Stanford Indians for three plays. Here's the fourth down coming up. Can they do it again? Stanford down on Nebraska's one-yard line. They've been knocking there for three plays. This is the last play, the payoff play. Will they make it? Here come the Indians out of the huddle. They're back to the line of scrimmage. Remember, Stanford's ahead by one point. It's Frankie Albert back this time. He gives the ball to Parker. Parker into the center of the line. I don't think he made it. I do not think he made it. He stopped by Schwarzkopf and Taylor, and Nebraska takes over. Well, I hope you got that because that was as thrilling a goal line stand as it's ever been my pleasure to see. 
the hardest charging offensive team in the country, and I don't think I'm making any mistake or will have much disagreement by saying that Stanford has four chances to make a yard and a half and can't do it, and Nebraska stops them on their goal line. Well, okay. Now, the, the play immediately after that, Nebraska punted. They did a quick kick and punted, and that's where that Pete Kaminovic uh, re- mm-hmm. re- uh, returned the punt return. But one of the names I, I heard on that was uh, Royal, Royal Kaler. Uh, his nickname was King Kong, King Kong Kaler. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, a lot of those guys had, had, had great, great nicknames. Harry, Harry Hop, or, uh, uh, Cowboy Roy Pesh. Um, mm-hmm. I sent uh, when I when I got a copy of, of this game, I, I sent it to uh, Al Zickman. I don't I don't know if you know you know Al. Al Al was a member of the 1941 mm-hmm. Rose, Rose Bowl team, and he was uh, a coach and uh, athletic director at Kearney. And uh, Al sent me a just a really nice handwritten thank you note. Uh, you know, obviously because that that's one of the things when I get some of these recordings, I li- I like to share them with, mm-hmm. with some of the former players. And uh, just when I synced it up with the film, you know, just my uh, layman's evaluation was Stanford had so much speed and Nebraska just couldn't match it. And the one guy that could match it was Al Zickman. You know, Al had a, you know, he had like a 60 yard kickoff return and he ended up catching the the second touchdown pass. Well, and oh, I, I should, I should reverse that. He, he uh, caught a touchdown pass. And then he had a 60-yard kickoff return later in the game. And anyway, on that kickoff return, he broke his leg. So there was essentially the one guy that could match Stanford's speed, and and he's done. And so, yeah. But But you were talking about nicknames there and and the Stanford Indians. uh, uh, That's a a nickname that uh, obviously has been changed over the years. That's one. Yeah, they were – actually, they were uh, the 1940 version of uh, Scott Frost at Central Florida the year before. They were – I think zero and nine or one and eight, mm. something like that. And then they hired Clark Shaughnessy from uh, I think it was the Chicago Bears, and uh, he implemented the T formation. And and uh, you know I I've seen video of you know Al Zickman was just like you know this is you know they're putting men in motion. Well you know they didn't. Know <laughs> that. so, That's yeah. crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, let's let's move on to number two here. Question two. Okay. What is your favorite Husker fan memory? Oh, I've got a couple of them. Uh, obviously, the 1971 Nebraska-Oklahoma game. I, you know, I, I've got probably more than a couple. The 71-Oklahoma game. Uh, as far as when I was searching for recordings, um, I really wanted to to see those three Orange Bowls again from uh, 71, 72, and 73 against LSU, Alabama, and Notre Dame, and uh, I, I managed to track down two and a half of those. The, the second half of the Notre Dame game uh, has been lost, apparently. And, and I, I remember, you know, watching those games. You know, we're winning national championships, and Johnny Rogers is putting on a show, and, and you know, you, you go to bed all happy, and then you get up the next morning, and Channel Three in Omaha is replaying it. And you're watching it again. And uh, I, so I, 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 that's one of the things, like I said, your kid, you wanted to see it again. And I, I would say, and, and one of the things I get asked as far as uh, my favorite game that I have on video is 
1978 Nebraska Oklahoma game. Mm. Um, uh, you know, I, I know now fans are just used to Iowa and Wisconsin beating us for six or seven years in a row. But I, I can tell you from 1972 to 77 uh, and Oklahoma beating us those consecutive years, those were those were bad. I mean, that, that was and you know, and uh, I, I remember the pregame show of the 78 game where Tom Osborne was like, you know, we haven't beaten Oklahoma, but nobody else has either. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you, you know, that's kind of one of those things. But the, the 78 game, uh, the, the, the finally to get it done after, you know, all those years of the Sooners tormenting us with, you know, Sooner magic and, and stuff to finally get it done and really beat probably Barry Switzer's best team. I mean, uh, you know, Thomas Lott and David Overstreet and Kenny King and Billy Sims. I'm, uh, you know, that that's not even fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but, but the outpouring of emotion to see the goalposts come down, that was genuine joy. Um, you know, later on, you see the goalposts come down, uh, you know, against Colorado or Oklahoma, you know, in 89. And it's like, they're just doing that for going through the motions. But in 78, that was just pure joy to see the fans pour on the field. So, Well, uh, one of the video clips I, I took from you last week when we were talking with Babcock was the 78 game. And it was the post game where Jerry Moore was talking and Pavelka was talking. And they were just saying how how happy they were for Osborne, you know, that, that, and it had been so rough on him. And, you know, Switzer says, Hey, uh, you know, we, that's my best team and we never should have lost to them. We fumbled nine times and, you know, and lost six of them. Well, they should have lost seven of them. And the one that they didn't lose that, that, that fumble on the, on the kickoff return there. I mean, you hear Osborne coming onto the field and Lyle Bremser saying, you know, Tom is mad and, and the crowd is booing as loud as they're booing. And you can sense the pressure that's on Tom. You can sense yeah. it. And um, for that game to turn out the way it did, and I don't care how we won it. We won it for him to get that first win. I mean, that had to be just huge. And then, of course, unfortunately, the next weekend uh, was every bit as deflating. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm going to, I always, I always uh, uh, bristle a little bit at Barry Switzer saying we lost nine fumbles. And, you know, that's the reason we lost. And I'm like, yeah, you did. But Nebraska also, like you mentioned, that call where there that should have been a fumble. Oh, rude! Nebraska, destroy the guy. Yeah, uh, uh, Nebraska kicked a field goal that that hit the upright. Uh, you know that should have went in uh, on Oklahoma's uh, long touchdown run. You can you can see it plain as day on the on the tape. Their whole backfield rocks forward, so that should have been a flag. Uh, Nebraska, Rick Burns fumbled uh, uh, on, on like the 12-yard line that Oklahoma recovered, uh, and, and they didn't score. Uh, uh, Nebraska got stopped on fourth down uh, right around the Oklahoma 35-yard line. Uh, Oklahoma uh, intercepted a tip pass. So when I hear, oh, we lost nine fumbles, that's why we lost. Look, Nebraska had their share of breaks go against them that game too. So I don't want to hear any of that. Oh, sure. we, you know, we only lost because we played badly. That that's kind of yeah. When I when I hear Barry say that, I kind of like, yeah. Well, you know, we kind of made you play bad. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah, I mean, hey, in, in 1999, we, we win the national championship if we don't have nine fumbles against Texas, too, I think Absolutely. it was. You know? so, yeah, the, the key is, Barry, not to have nine fumbles. And, yeah. and you got to get you got to yeah, give credit to the to the uh, to the other team too. Yeah. Yeah, and and if you've heard Jerry Moore say, you know, uh, uh, yeah, they fumbled. He goes, but we caused them. Hmm. You know, we hit them hard, and so yeah. So, but anyway, that's just <laughs> me being being a fan, I guess. Yeah, well, and that's what rivalries do, you know, and that that's why yeah. I wanted to do that show last week on Nebraska Oklahoma. There's been plenty done on it, but it's just one more chance to especially get someone like Mike to come on. And, uh, you know, we have two hours now out there, Redcasters, and I'm going to keep pushing people towards it. And I'll push you to it the uh, the week of the game too, is to go back and watch that and really see the history of Nebraska, Oklahoma. We broke it into to chapters, the early years and then Osborne era uh, game of the century. It's its own little segment. And then, uh, you know, the uh, Osborne years and the, and the modern era. And it is, it's a, an unfortunate byproduct of all the, the conference realignments and all those things that have happened is that especially for the young kids that maybe didn't didn't even realize that it was a thing, but Nebraska, Oklahoma, I mean, it meant everything. And you said in the 70s you're growing up during those five losses. Um, we beat them in 83, my first my formative year, but then those next formative years, those next four years were just yeah. brutal. And it's Keith Jackson running tight end reverses. And as you mentioned, in 76, you've got the start of Sooner Magic. Sooner Magic was there in the 80s. And um you know, and, and it was respectful rivalry. I, I do believe that, but it was also, it was heated and hated during the moments too. And well, sometimes I get to, you know, and I'm guilty of this. We romanticize it historically, but it was, it was, a yeah, it was a tough one. You know, one thing you mentioned, and I just want to bring, isn't Mike Babcock the best? Oh God, love him. He, he, yeah. he we've had, we've had coach Osborne on the show before. And, yeah. and, and my goodness, I mean, I love coach Osborne, right? Yeah. My, having Babcock on, Babcock is like, he was probably the biggest goal when we started this podcast. If I could talk to Babcock, yeah, um, that was, I read all of his stuff growing up. I watched his stuff. Um, I just, I just really liked the guy. I want to, I just want to sit down and have a beer with him sometime, to be quite honest with you. I mean, that's, Oh yeah. Um, and so that was, uh, I just have a lot of respect for how he goes about doing the business that he does. And, um, and to tell the stories of, you know, we, um, we, uh, we went to the Michigan game in 2013 and the day before, uh, we stopped in South Bend and got to do a tour of Notre Dame Stadium. We're all re- wearing red. It's eight guys on a on a Husker bus tour, and they take us into the uh, into the press box. And the guy goes, "Well, I guess normally I don't ask this question, but I, I will here. Does anyone know who has a winning record? The only team that have a winning record against the Four Horsemen because we're in the Four Horsemen room of the press box." And I'm like, "Ooh, pick me, pick me, pick me!" Yeah. And it's Nebraska. Well you learn those things because guys like Mike Babcock have been out there telling the stories, the histories of the program. And this, this program didn't start, you know, in 1962 in the here. we had a lot of history before that. Boomer talks about that on our show all the time. Redcast Boomer, when he brings up jumbo steam and, you know, and the yeah. Dana X Bible years and Biff Jones and all that. I mean, there's just so much, this is such a history, history rich program. And uh, we're a blue blood. We continue to be a blue blood. We need to start winning some games again. I get that. But, uh, this this story this program is such a storied history and guys like Mike Babcock are gems because they they help tell it. Well, I I really uh, enjoyed the like like I said, you know, I, I don't want to say that I think I know a lot, but I I I've, obviously I I followed the history a little bit, but then he was telling the story about the 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 recruiting wars or the battles between Bill Jennings and Bud Wilkinson. Hadn't heard that before. I mean, I I knew there was, I knew Bill Jennings had kind of gotten 
you know, there, there was some bad blood there. I didn't know what it was about or the details, you know, until I, I, I listened to Mike, uh, on your show. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just like, that, that guy's amazing. Yeah. I, you know, one of your audio clips is the Leroy Zintic 1959 against Oklahoma yeah. when they when they end the unbeaten streak of Oklahoma, not the winning streak because they had had a couple of ties, as Mike is very clear to say. But yeah, um, but Leroy Zintic, you know, uh, returns the punt and Nebraska wins it. Well, he goes on to be a longtime coach at Lincoln East. Um, Rob Zaska, who played for him, I I was DMing him one time on Twitter about that you know Leroy Zentic showed him that uh, that that clip and everything and so it's neat the, the work that you do and maybe if you get a chance here kind of tell us about what what you've done how has that allowed you to create relationships with people from all these different generations former players coaches and and you know as a fan just like we are doing this podcast as a fan what does that mean to you to be able to kind of something that you've done you know is appreciated by people that uh you know maybe you've looked up to you've watched you know over the years well you know it it, it is kind of gratifying uh you know one of the things that that just you know from your story that struck me uh i remember uh uh dave blackwell you know who was on the kfab crew uh with jack Payne and and uh, you know dave blackwell passed away and, uh, you know, through Twitter, uh, Dave Blackwell Jr. gets a hold of me and he goes, you know, we don't have any tapes of dad. And uh, just at that time, I happened to have converted a bunch of the cassette tapes over on to a digital format. I said, look, just, here's my cassette tapes. Take them. You know, so that that obviously that that makes you feel good. Um, and some of the former players, uh, you know, like I said, particularly the pre VCR era players. Uh, those are the guys that have kind of, uh, I, I've kind of grown fond of, uh, you know, Jerry Murtaugh has his legends radio show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry was probably the first one, uh, to, to utilize what I have. Um, you know, I, I remember when the show for, first started, he didn't really know, you know, what, didn't didn't really have a format or anything that was going on and uh he had a couple of his old teammates on it was van bronson and, and guy ingles you know guy is now a, mm. a co-host with jerry and uh anyway uh i i sent in the the clip of uh uh fans 80 yard touchdown pass the guy and i talked to jerry after that and he goes you should have saw their eyes light up. (laughs) They have not, they had not heard that before. And so then you kind of, and you know, the other thing I guess that I've come across when I'm, when I'm working on these films is you see a guy on film that you're just like, God, I want to, I want to reach out to that guy. I want to talk to him, Uh, you know, because you just enjoyed the way he played. And one of the guys that stood out on, on the, the 1970 film was Ed Periard, oh. you know, played, played nose guard at 202 yeah. pounds, but five, uh, nine, <laughs> five, nine, you know, he, he's outweighed and he's just so quick. And I talked to Jerry and I go, God, I, you know, I want to talk to Ed Periard. I want to, I want to, you know, share some of these recordings with Ed. And Jerry goes, you know, he's passed away. This guy was killed mm. in a car accident, you know, and those those are the things that just like it it just crushes me inside uh, 
Thunder Thornton. I got the mm-hmm. 1960 uh, uh, Nebraska Oklahoma game. Uh, synced it up with Lyle Bremser's uh, radio audio, and I'm like, I'm trying to find Thunder Thornton. Find out he's died. You know, mm-hmm. and that 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 uh, that, that just it, it crushes me. Uh, but you know, some of the other stories that uh, you know, as far as uh, getting connected, uh, Dick Perry's son, uh, Craig Perry. Uh, Dick Perry, obviously, well, you know, for fans who don't know, a uh, long time ago, uh, all the local radio stations would broadcast Nebraska football, KFOR, KFAB, WOW, KLIN. So if you didn't want to listen to Lyle Bremser and you wanted to listen mm-hmm. to Dick Perry, you just changed the radio dial. And uh, so I, uh, I, I, I somehow I got connected with Craig Perry and, you know, Craig would tell me stories about uh, when he was a kid uh, hanging around the stadium. He said he remembers, uh, you know, Willie Ross uh, carrying him up on his shoulders and walking him in the locker room. And his dad is phoning in his five o'clock football report. And uh, he, he, he said, I remember one, uh, one afternoon, he says, dad came home early and this would have been 1971 dad came home early and he's tired i don't want to be bothered i'm going to take a nap and the phone rings craig says i call him for dick perry i want to talk to him about you know the upcoming oklahoma game you know and here's young craig who's been ordered by his dad don't wake me up don't bother me uh he's like well you know who is it it's Howard Cosell. <laughs> and so now Craig is like, God, what do I do? Do I wake up dad or do I tell Howard Cosell to blow off? You know? <laughs> so obviously he, he went and woke up dad to talk to Howard Cosell. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the, that, that was one of the stories that, uh, that Craig and Craig shared uh, with me uh, a, a partial recording of the 1962 Gotham Bowl. Mm-hmm which obviously, you know, for people who don't know that, played in Yankee Stadium, cold, uh, newspaper strike. There wasn't any publicity, you know. You know, 6,000 people were, I, I think, in a, uh, official in attendance. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, it's yeah. probably less than that. I think Devaney that, said if there was that many people, they were dressed as empty seats. Yeah, I think I think uh, Dennis Clarence said there's probably only only like a thousand. But on the radio uh, broadcast, just a little bit of pregame that uh, Craig sent me, you can hear how cold it is. You can <laughs> hear how empty the stadium is. You can hear other voices of radio guys, uh, you know, uh, on the microphone. You can hear typewriters. Uh, <laughs> you know, during the pregame. So you get an idea just how desolate and, and how awful that game must have been to play in. So. Yeah, Bob Brown has a late uh, interception at the end of it and to put it away, and Nebraska wins their first ever bowl game. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, and of course they had so many uh, – they out-yarded Nebraska so badly, but then again, you know, special teams. Who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> well, here, let's go to, to question three. And we've named a lot of guys already, but who are some of your all-time favorite Huskers? Well, I'll tell you what, right off the top of the, my head is Johnny Rogers and Rich Glover. Uh, I, I've, I've met Johnny uh, 
but you know, cause he's, he's around locally mm-hmm. and, uh, I, I can, I can tell you, uh, with, with, uh, Jerry Murtaugh's legends radio show, uh, I've, I've been in studio, you know, I don't, I don't know, maybe half a dozen times, not, not a lot. You know, the show's going on 18 years. So you don't think about that, but you know, that's kind of a long time show. But I remember when Johnny was on the, uh, he's having Johnny on the show and I, I wanted to be there. I wanted to meet him. <laughs> and, uh, so, and, and of course, Rich Glover, I was so delighted. It was, uh, in Ohio state, it was the letterman's party. And I, I wanted to meet Rich Glover and I had my picture taken with Rich and, and those two guys, like I said, they were gods in my eyes as, as a kid. And so, so those are, those are, two easy ones right off the bat and i mean how many guys leave uh i, I mean how, how many players leave the team and have their at the time their numbers were retired they've since mm-hmm. changed that to retiring or was it jerseys or what, yeah, what, jer- or what yeah. different. when, when uh, johnny's son terry came back and yeah. played like in the late 80s all of a sudden that was the first time i'd ever seen someone wearing 20 yeah it, it, yeah so uh but you know, when those two guys left, they retired both their numbers, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the think about Rich Glover, nose guard making 22 tackles against Oklahoma. Uh, Who had know, an All-American he, center, you know, Brandon. Yeah, I was going to say, he wasn't playing against, you know, you know, some, you know, some punk from Cupcake State. He was playing <laughs> against the best center in the country. And so, uh, yeah, just... Uh, uh, you know, one of the one of the I can't remember. I was listening to one of the games with Dave Blackwell. I think it was the Colorado game from 1972, and and uh, he was saying that Rich Clever makes so many tackles that ABC should offer him his own half hour show. <laughs> so, yeah. So, That's but yeah, awesome. yeah, Glover and Rogers, right off the top. Uh, if I was to go, um, maybe uh, some of the guys that I remember that that left an impression on me. Uh, Broderick Thomas was was certainly oh, the Sandman. Yeah, uh, I, I thought I thought he was great when he was here. And one of the things I think that maybe Broderick stood out to me was uh, the players were seemed to be taught not to be verbose, not to be loud, not to be boastful, not to trash talk. And then Broderick came, and that changed. I mean. <laughs> And so that was kind of one of the things I think that Broderick Thomas stands out in my mind. It seemed like he was like almost in response to like the Bos, you know, Bosworth or at Oklahoma at the time. And then, cause that was the whole, like the keys to our house, you're going to have to steal our keys. Yeah. I don't think Steve Taylor is a big talker, but I kind of think he followed uh, Broderick's lead a, mm-hmm. a little bit because back then they were starting to be a little, you know, it's, we're going to be a little harder to beat, you know. They were they were they were talking a little smack when they played. So, mm. um, you know, another guy I guess that uh, I would think, uh, you know, that comes to mind that God, I just really love the way he played was Roy Halu. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I really love the way he ran. Uh, he he's he's a guy that I have not met that I would like to meet, um, uh, and and that's just simply because I love the way he played. Mm-hmm. So. Well, you've just set yourself up here. Here, We're going to click the 2009 Hulu against Mizzou here. 
Hillu the back behind Lee. First and 10 for the Tiger, 46. They hand it off to Roy. Skips to the outside, 45, 40. Roy, 35, cuts back, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10. He's knocked out of around the three-yard line. Roy Hillu right down the sideline. A dagger to the heart of the Tigers. <laughs> Woo! Good to see that Roy Hillu break loose. National TV and to show what he has. He had 16 carries for 42 yards prior to that carry. And we'll have the new numbers here, 17 for 83 for Roy Hiller tonight. I like that clip simply because Greg Sharp cuts loose a little bit. You know, <laughs> a dagger to the heart. And like, yeah, that's the modern era, you know, of some of the, the great 1941 radio, you know, uh, uh, audio there that you got i mean that's you know greg sharp's got some of that here too and uh and yeah. of course the next year against missouri uh halu goes off for 300 plus yards like you know i that's one of the games that i'm proud to say i was at and it, it uh mm -hmm. well okay you know here's one of the things i guess uh you know to, you, you talk about lyle bremser compared to today's and i've had this discussion with the former players Lyle Bremser was so exceptional at naming the offensive linemen. He wouldn't say the ball, they ran it over to the left side. He ran it over the right side. He would say, you know, they ran over Dumbler, Rupert, and White. Mm -hmm. um, he would say uh, if they ran a trap play, they ran it, they ran it between uh, Remington and Mandelko. And so, I say this because when Jerry has offensive linemen on his radio show, mm -hmm. I can much easier find a clip from John Havacost or Randy Sloisner or Red Barron or Marvin Crenshaw than I can find a clip of Nick Gates, mm -hmm. Matt Orniak. Uh the, the modern day radio crew just simply does not mention the offensive line. Lyle Bremser had those guys as celebrities. In fact, uh, Van Bronson told me Lyle made you sound better than you were. So, uh, hmm. but that, you know, Matt Davison always catches the line, uh, the receivers downfield blocking because he's a former receiver. But when it comes to the offensive line, I, you know, Jerry had Nick Gates on the show, and I mean to tell you, I had to listen to probably two seasons of of games to find anything where they even match and mention uh, Nick Gates's name. And this guy's playing in the NFL. So it wasn't like he wasn't blocking anybody. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. When we talked to the Osborne, he talked about, you know, how important was that offensive line in the history, the tradition of this, this school with the O line and Osborne's like, you know, one of the reasons we were so good on offense was we had two offensive line coaches. Most teams only had one. Um, even to this day, the number of all Americans that were all, that were offensive linemen. And certainly I think also the Outland awards were still, gosh, someone's going to double check me here, but we're still number one in both of those. And I think it's even by a fair margin still. I mean, it's just, that's the, that's the, and we haven't had an all American in offensive line for 20 years and certainly not an, an outland other than I guess Sue on the D line. But, but um, yeah. that's, that's the, the history and the strength of this program when it, when it comes to the pipeline, we got to get that built back up. Oh, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. Um, you know, I, I know there was some, some coaching changes made and I, I'm sure those guys were, are, are fine people and fine gentlemen. Um, but you know, let's, let's kind of, let's be honest. Uh, those, those groups weren't 
performing up to the mm-hmm. standard at Nebraska. Uh, the, the offensive line has not been up to standard at Nebraska. Um, the running backs have not been up to standard at Nebraska. We, you know, the, there is no reason a running Nebraska's leading rusher should only have 300 yards. Yep. You know. And, you know, and that's so tough, Jake, because, you know, last year, those two position groups you just mentioned, former Huskers are coaching them. Ryan Held with the running backs and Greg Austin with the O-line. And I don't – it it, it broke my heart, honestly. It honestly did to see those guys get fired. And at the same token, I just rewatched over the weekend Nebraska-Oklahoma from last year. And, man, we're playing (laughs) – there's so many things we did well, but on the the offensive line, on the first drive alone, we had – four penalties on the O-line, including back-to-back pre-snap penalties to even start the game. There yeah. gets to be a point where the mistakes, and this, I think this actually gets us into question four. I think maybe this is oh, this is a perfect right. segue. All How right. do you think the Huskers will do next year? So, Or this year, I guess. Now we can start to say this year, uh, fall camp starts on Wednesday. Sure. Well, you know, I, I found it interesting. What, what, what did I see? Uh, Nebraska was picked fifth in the uh, Western Division. Yep, and, today by the uh, Big Ten media. Yeah, but yet they're slated. They're over-under wins of seven and a half. Uh, so I, I guess I, I don't know how those two projections go together. Um, I, I know one of the things I, I guess I've I've kind of gotten tired of hearing over the past several years is our schedule is too tough. You know, we're Nebraska. we got to quit complaining about that. Uh I don't want to look at I don't want to look at a somebody's schedule and say you know God we can't beat them. I want them to see Nebraska on the schedule yep. and say man that's going to be a tough week. And so I, I I've kind of grown tired of hearing the the scheduling thing uh, uh, over the, the last several years. The schedule kind of if you know I, I guess you can say it relents a little bit. Sure. Here so the schedule is favorable. Um, you know, I, I guess if, as far as I look at it, um, I'm, I'm not, and I've, of course, I've always been this way. I'm not giving anybody anything. I, mm-hmm. if you guys are looking at that schedule and and think that uh, Michigan's going to beat us, I don't. I'm not giving <laughs> Michigan a win. I'm not. And, and nobody in that, that locker room. Up, yeah, if you think Oklahoma's coming up here and beating us, I don't. Um, I, I expect Nebraska to be competitive in that game. You know, and the other thing, I, I guess, now that I think about it, is I, I saw a, a, a national quarterback uh, rating. Uh, somebody rated the quarterbacks, and they had, like, C.J. Stroud of Ohio State, like, fourth in the nation. And I think second in the nation, they had Spencer Rattler. And I was like, Spencer Rattler wasn't even the best quarterback on the field in the Nebraska game last year. Adrian Martinez was far better than he was, as far as I was concerned. Well, I think every I went I went down to Norman. I was at that game and I talked with the Oklahoma fans afterwards and they would say the exact same thing you just said. Now yeah. they were also saying we need to play Williams and <laughs> we need our back. They didn't want yeah. Rattler in there by that point. And that, you know, the backup quarterback's always the most popular guy in the state. But yeah. Um, but no, I mean to your point, that look, that team last year, um, it's mistakes. At the end of the day, we were as physical as anybody defensively. Um, you know, we could uh we could move the ball on teams, but we would turn back around like we did against, you know, Oklahoma. We would have the mistakes, the penalties that would just move us back. We started off first and 20 because of two pre-snap penalties, but Martinez got us a first down. 
You know, it's like well, we make it so hard on ourselves. And if they can stop that, if they can stop some of those mistakes, we're not far. It's it's going to be inter- interesting to see um, what they're like without Adrian Martinez at, mm-hmm. at quarterback. Uh, you know, Adrian um, was high risk, high reward. You know, he would just frustrate you with, you know, a fumble and a scoop and score, but then he would, you know, delight you with a 70 yard scramble to get you back in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the one thing that you can't, uh, that, that I guess endears Adrian should endear Adrian Martinez to everybody is what a classy guy he is, how he speaks to the media, how he cared about his teammates. I mean, you know, the thing is, is he's at Kansas state and he'll say, well, like, He'll compliment his teammates, and then Nebraska fans will take that as a slight against Nebraska, and that's not the case. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I've seen I've seen some statements he's made that they look a certain way when you take the quote, and then all of a sudden you actually get the context of it, and he's not saying yeah, it, it yeah. gets taken out. And guess what? In a Twitter world, that happens, right? I mean, it's one of those things that we have to sometimes yeah. dig a little deeper than just. Uh, hearing the one quote or whatever. And he, he's a classy guy. And in in the, in the olden days, and by, by olden days, I mean, maybe two years ago, anything pre transfer portal um, in the olden days, losing a four year starting quarterback, that's a major area of concern for any football team to lose that kind of, you know, uh, experience at that position. But now with the transfer portal, now you're starting to replace guys with, with other starters that have come in here. So we're going to play Oklahoma in week four. And our starting quarterback, assuming it's Casey Thompson, is a guy who threw for five touchdowns against Oklahoma last year. You know, it's, exactly. it's bizarre. It changes the perspective of how quick things could get turned around potentially. Um, but uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of change this year and it makes it exciting. I think we've made upgrades across the board in the coaching room. When we had Michael Severe on uh, back in, in uh, June, he talked specifically, we went straight to just talent, roster talent. And he was, he was extremely high on the roster talent, just being a better roster. So you make that combination. If, if the roster is better, if the coaching we think across the board is better, the schedule is certainly more manageable when you replace Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State with Michigan, Indiana, and Rutgers from, from the other side. That's helpful. Instead of playing Oklahoma there, they're playing here. I think the same topic comes down to what we talked about all last year, and anyone who went to Champaign, and we've said this a million times, we were at Champaign last year. We really need to win that first game against Illinois. Oh, and, and we didn't. Well, the same thing applies this year. The, of all the games, everything that's important out there, we Northwestern is A number one. You got to come back from Ireland. I don't care if we win one to nothing. We got to come back with a victory against Northwestern. Yeah. I always, I always think when somebody asks how the, uh, how the season is going to go, I always think of, uh, of an old clip of Lou Holtz where he, you know, he says, I think I would be doing my team an injustice if I didn't <laughs> think we could win them all. So, <laughs> you know, so that's kind of. <laughs> uh, Rob, you want to do the FCS edge one? Yeah. If you're looking for a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having a competitive stable history of over 20 years, what is FCS Edge? They're a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies 
and they are expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. While working at SC Edge, you can work with fun people with great attitudes, learn about patents. You're not on the phone. You're not customer facing. So you can dress in your Hawaiian shirts, Nebraska Hawaiian shirts, preferably every single day. And you can work in a new work environment with over $2 million in improvements. So their team is constantly growing and they're always looking for new people to join in their mission. So check out available jobs today at www.jobsatfsc.com. You know, you have that kind of the bravado there, which I love. And that's a, a old Lou Holtz thing. I also love like yeah. Osborne's approach to, you know, basically saying we don't have to win this game or, you know, it's not about winning the game. We're just going to, we're going to, have such good execution and we're going to prepare ourselves and we're going to set goals so high that if we reach our goals and we've, we've done everything we can do, you can literally at the end of the game, if the other team beats you, you can clap as they walk by because God bless them. But more times than not, way more times than not, in fact, 255, 49 and three over 25 years, um, you will win more games than you lose. If you can, you know, meet those goals and, and, you know, they had, they had consistency and continuity with that coaching staff over all those years. Um, they had a, but Osborne was also extremely flexible. Babcock hits on this all the time. You know, Osborne was the passing guru of college football in 1970 and 71 and 72. We were running spread sets and then you get hum and Ferragamo, but then Oklahoma's running option. So we switched to the Turner Gill stuff. We're getting beat defensively in the late eighties and the early nineties and all those bowl games against Miami and Florida state. And everyone says we need to throw the ball like Miami and Florida state. And Osborne goes, Nope, we need to play defense like Miami and Florida state. And all of a sudden Trev Alberts is going from standing up, putting his hand in the turf and getting three sacks against, uh, you know, Charlie Ward with the one bum arm. So uh, that's the, you know, Osborne, I just 25 years, it wasn't quite a, a straight trajectory up 25 years, but at the very end, it was something magical those last five years. Yeah, you mentioned Trev. Uh, I, I remember uh, when uh, Jerry uh, had Trev on his on his uh, radio show. Um, I didn't have a lot of recordings at the time, but I I, I sent in a clip of. Uh, I mean, it's just to just kind of tell you the the mindset that that Trev had and has. Um, I sent in a clip uh, from that Orange Bowl where it was, you know, Kent Pavelka, the the Butkus Award winner sacking the Heisman Trophy winner, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you know, they came back from commercial and they played that clip and Trev goes, we lost that game. Hated it. Don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and, and I was kind of like, <laughs> that actually changed my uh, thinking. Uh, when I send in clips for the show is I try to find a clip in the game that they won. I don't want to send in a, a, a game clip, uh, you know, where a guy made a great uh, play in a game that they lost. So Trevor affected my thinking when it comes to sending in a clip. But I, I, I remember that distinctly because I, I used to listen to the show and I used to love to listen to the player's reaction uh, of a clip they had. And, and, and Trev was like, hate it nope. that is that is such a, that's a it's a mentality there are those players back then you hated to lose um you wanted to do you gave everything you got every single game to to win that game i lance schwartz who you know we had talked about earlier 
Lance used to film the psych up tapes of the, t- of the guys before yeah. that they would show in the locker room right before they came onto the field. And the last game of uh, Wistrom, so when they're going to play Tennessee, um, Nebraska wears the, the red jerseys against Tennessee. And the psych up tape that he's, that he's showing right before the team goes out onto the field against the Orange Bowl and Osborne's last game is Wistrom holding up his red jersey going, look at these jerseys, fellas. We have never lost a game wearing these jerseys. And you think about it, that's when we had that long home win streak. Yeah. And and losing the game, just Osborne didn't have to tell the guys to win it. It was unacceptable for those guys to give anything less than the absolute best effort. And um, even when even when they would lose a game, like against Arizona State, 19-0 in 1996, it was mistakes. And you clean up the mistakes, and they did. And by the end of that season, that, that was a whole different team than it was at the beginning of the year. I can, you know, Husker fans, I can remember people going, oh, get Aaron Taylor out of center. That guy can't play center. Well, he ended up being an All-American. Oh, my gosh. Scott Frost is a terrible quarterback. Get him out of there. Well, he goes 24-2. and Oh, get, you know. And it's, you know, when you make mistakes, you're not going to win a lot of games. We've proven that 100 times over the last few years. But when we, if we can clean that up, and that's what this staff has to do, clean those mistakes up. We can win games, and we can win games now with this roster. I've always said that about the 96 team is, is you could see it at the end of the year. Scott was running the option so much better. He was oh. throwing the ball so much better. And and you could tell they were setting up for 97 mm-hmm. to be something, uh, you know, obviously that, something special. That Virginia Tech bowl game. We re- yeah. Mac, Mac on the show, he and I rewatched it like three times that night after the game got done on VCR tape, come home and, you know, sure. eat. Pop, pop in about five Totinos and, you know, and uh, anyways, sure. but the option, there were times he was pitching the ball and he wasn't even looking where he was pitching. And yeah. and you're like, oh my gosh, he wasn't doing that three, three months he ago. He was and, not. And you start to see that progression and that's, that's coaching. It's development to a system. It's being consistent to it. And, uh, and it's cutting out the mistakes, you know? So when we lose to Arizona state, 19, nothing, and we had three safeties in the game in the hit, you know, in the record, for a season was two. <laughs> we yeah. Had one, you know, and it was just, it was fumbles and, and bad snaps and things that, that uh, we can't do right away. It, the, the key to this season, I think more than anything is those first three games. I would never say look past anybody. That'd be dumb to do. Right. But we can beat those first three teams, but what Absolutely. we can't do is we can't snap the ball over guys' heads. We can't make a bunch of those mistakes. Special teams should win us a game, not lose it for us. That's how important it is in, in getting Bill Bush in there to to uh, bring Nebraska special teams back to the standards that he helped coach back in the 05-06 era when he was a special teams coordinator here. To do that again, That's if we can do that, those first three games, we can work our way through some of those early season, you know, just challenges that every single team has. But we just – we can't – we can't be doing the things we did against Illinois last year right away. Yeah. You know, play well, smart football. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things that, that obviously people know I'm a fan and one of the things that, that I hear, I'm sure you, you hear too, is, 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 uh, you know, Scott Frost, you know, whether, you know, his, his job status, you know, and, and my, my opinion of that is this is he's our guy you have got to stop firing coaches every four or five years. Now, Bo Pelini got fired. You know, I, I think obviously there was a relationship problem between him and Sean Eichhorst. And, and that, that, yeah, he won some games. But, you know, 
obviously Frank Solich shouldn't have got fired, but you know, even Bill Callahan, you you gotta quit firing coaches every four or five years. Uh, you know, I look at uh, Iowa State with Dan McCarney. You know, Dan, you could see Dan McCarney was a good coach, and it and he built he, he built up to a had a pretty decent team, and he had been there for you know eight, 10 years, but mm -hmm. then he, he couldn't, he couldn't follow that up and sustain it. And so then they fired him. That's kind of the way I'm looking at Scott Frost is give him eight, 10 years. You've got to quit. I, you know, as far as recruiting, uh, I, I want Scott Frost to say, I'm here, I'm going to be here. Uh, so I, I guess, all the guys that are, that are anti Scott Frost, I'm just telling you, you just will forget it. He's here. He's going to stay. He's got to do something absolutely, you know, off the wall to get fired from here. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, the guy can't turn stupid after going 13 and one at central Florida. I mean, when we got him here, well, okay, you know, I look at him and Fred Hoiberg the same way. Who in the heck would ever imagine that uh, we would get these coaches here and have such little success? And Scott has had such a bizarre, you know, uh, bad breaks as far, you know, his first game is, you know, a storm. Lightning. Yeah. And, uh yeah, and you and know. look, and there's you know, and there's mistakes. You know, for the for the frost for the frost hater out there, which you know I've talked to plenty of them. There's mistakes he's made along the way that I'm sure he would be the first to say, "I wish I didn't do." And 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 you can overturn it, but at the end of the day, yeah, I don't look at this as the way we're going to get out of this is by we need to fire more people. We Absolutely. we've done that enough. We were you know number two in the country in in dead money since 2010. Dead money being money paid to coaches administrators and so on not to no longer work here um and here's two million point, dollars some point you gotta stick with something team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some, yeah. some point you want to some point you got to stick with something too and and but you got to be the other thing is you got to be showing progress along the way that's the, that's the thing that's it normally you know i say normally in a normal three and nine season that's really hard to sit there and say Hey, that 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 coach should stick around, especially at a school like Nebraska. But last year it wasn't normal. I mean, I just you look at the how the stats and the probability and everything that and and this is coaching too. I, I know I'm saying this, and there's gonna be some some redcaster out there watching it going, but that's coaching honky. It is, but you know what? I didn't want to see everything get completely pull, you know, pull the rug out and let's start over from scratch again and let's do another four-year rebuild. That's not what I wanted. So I appreciate greatly what Trev did last year. I thought it was very thoughtful on his part. He did things to help mitigate risk, you know, financially for the athletic department. That was one thing he did. But another thing he did is he didn't want to see this thing start over from scratch. He saw all the positives that were out there. Let's build on the positives. So let's build on that defense that held Michigan State to 13 yards in, in the second half. And let's Absolutely. build on all those things. And then let's fix the errors. Special teams. We stunk. New coordinator. Offense, we were not terrible, but we could be better. New coordinator, new position coaches, and, you know, let's build off of that. That's, you know, as a fan, that's what gives me a lot of hope and optimism and reason to believe that we can be 
you know, a much, much improved on the record in the win-loss column team this year. Well, I think that's one of the things that's uh, intriguing about the season is obviously the, the new players uh, through the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're like, you, you know, you mentioned, you're not just, you know, replacing a four-year starter with a, you know, a five-star freshman. You, you've got a starter that was on another team you've got uh you know new new coaches it's going to be interesting to see how uh, Whipple's philosophy and Scott Frost's philosophy uh you know was Narduzzi was saying how Whipple wanted to throw the ball all the time you know <laughs> didn't want to run it well you know obviously that's not that's not really that's not yeah. the trend here yeah, um, Whipple so probably so, wishes Narduzzi's defense didn't give up 48 points against Western. Yeah, Michigan, you know? yeah. So that's whatever. That's, so it's going to be interesting to see how uh, those philosophies, you know, kind of go with the new coaches and obviously special teams. Uh, you know, uh, it, it can't get it really can't get any worse. It was, uh, you, know, uh, you know, we got really. How hard is it to? Uh, to coach punting. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, you know, and part of it is getting the, the right players in there too. So if punting needs to improve. One way to do that is to bring in the FCS punter of the year from Montana. Well, if, exactly. If, you, if exactly. you're struggling in the return game, bringing in Palmer from LSU, who's had kickoff and punt returns already at the FBS level. Yes. Those are things that can immediately improve um, that those areas of the game, in addition to the X's and O's and everything. That when I say last year was unique, and, and Redcasters who've been listening to this for a while, I've, I've reused these stats so often, but to lose nine games by single digits has never been done in college football history. To lose eight games by one score or less has never been done in college football history. And then when you look at, I think I counted up, there was about 55, roughly it was around 55 points last year that we either didn't make field goals that were less than like 40 yards or less than 30 yards, makeable field goals, or they were um, special teams or offensive turnovers that were turned directly into points. We had an interception return for a touchdown, fumble return for a touchdown, punt block against uh, um, against Iowa. Uh, the you know uh, the the safety where um, you know, Cam Taylor Britt catches the ball and throws it over his helmet against you know at Illinois. We get an extra point block. It accounted. It, it ended up being about fifty five points. Yeah. And when you think of nine games that were all decided by single digits and seven or eight games that are all decided by one score, those 55 points all represent mistakes. And yes. that's the thing. Well, I'll I, keep bringing it back to you. You got to, you clean those mistakes up immediately, immediately. <laughs> this can, this can change in the record book. If we don't, if we don't fix the mistakes, yeah, you're killing. <laughs> if we don't, if we don't fix the mistakes, then, you know, all those anti-frost guys are going to be, they'll be louder than ever and, and they'll have their point, but, We've got to fix the mistakes. Yeah. So, and, but, I think, I guess, and, and the optimist to me is that we're going to we're going to fix the mistakes. I, I agree. Like I said, you know, I, I guess to get back to your original question, how they're how they're going to do this year. Um, I like I said, I'm not I'm not counting any. I don't look at I don't look at any game on the schedule and say we're going to lose that. I don't think I they're going to. But by the same token, I I, I don't think they're going to go undefeated. Now, um, now, Rob, who you met briefly, he's uh, he's producing right now. Rob thinks yeah. we will go fifteen and zero. Now he might be on the extreme side of uh, the well, Kool Aid drinking optimist, but uh, but yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, fifteen and zero, baby. Fifteen and zero. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
<laughs> but but it's we can beat anybody on the schedule too. And 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 for anyone that sits there and says, oh, you know, stop it, Honky, give me a break. I mean, if who's the toughest team on the schedule? If you just look at the at the, uh, the opponents, oh, let's say it's Michigan, right? They made the college football playoff last year. Well, how far away were we from beating Michigan last year? If you look at it and say, well, the yeah. hardest team is Oklahoma. Look at all the five stars they have. Cool. I was at the game last year. How far away were we from beating Oklahoma? So clean up mistakes, but the this team should have a level of confidence that they've played literally every – we have found every conceivable way to lose to Iowa and Wisconsin now these last four years. I, I love people that sit there and say, Iowa's kick, you know, kicking the tar out of us. They did before Frost got here. They haven't been kicking the tar out of us. The la- they beat us by 19 points in four games. Now, they have beat us. I'll never, I'm not arguing that. They beat us. They 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 were the better team, but there's a difference between giving up forty some points in the the second half of the last game of the Riley or or Mark Banker saying that uh, you know their practices must be bloodbaths because they just beat us up and we were a nine and fourteen that year, 2016. There's a difference between that and how we've been losing to Iowa the last few years. Special teams have been brutal against Iowa the last three years. Well, you know, I, I go back to those years in the 70s when we lost to Oklahoma. Uh, you know, those five, six years in a row, uh, you know, that's one thing. And, and uh, this is something that my son will, has heard me say, uh, you know, over and over again, I am tired of losing to Iowa and Wisconsin. <laughs> I, you know, those are, the, and the thing is, I, I'm tired of losing to those two teams. And then it kills me that, we've been uh, almost surpassed by Minnesota and Illinois, which I, I think that's an aberration. I don't think that, I don't think, sure. you know, Minnesota and, and Illinois are, are, are better than us. But if we, if we can just beat Iowa and Wisconsin, I am, those are two schools I'm just so sick of losing to. And I'm, you know, I'm on social media and I see people making fun of Iowa all the time. And I'm like, you know, I'd like to make fun of them in November one. Yeah, I I, 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 I I agree there. I, I stay. Yeah. I, I'm staying off of the the, uh, you know, do I have a good Hawkeye joke or a good Badger joke? Well, it, it, I just feel stupid saying it right now, to be honest, because the only the only you gotta uh, win some games. Yeah, the, the only uh, testimony I heard about a Wisconsin game was 98 percent of the people there are drunk and the other two percent are playing football. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we went to that. We went to Madison in uh 2011, the first game of the Big Ten, one of the best game day environments and everything. I I loved it and and their fans, yeah, you know, you, you get some some you know goofballs and everything, but for the most part, it was so much fun. It was a real party atmosphere and and for the most part, that's something that uh, you know we like to do on the Redcast. We go to away games and um, you know and uh, I, I love the just the, the pageantry of football and being around other fans and I have a lot of respect for you know the programs. You know, look, I, I respect Iowa. And I know that's, you know, that's a, a tough thing for, you know, Husker fans. We want to hate that rival. And I do. I hate Iowa. There was a tough thing. You know, when we lost to Oklahoma, I think those five times in the 80s or in the 70s, five straight times, there was a, there was a point where, like, that was the, the longest we've ever lost to any one team in a row. We'd never had, like, a longer – or, no, I'm saying that wrong because we lost to Oklahoma, like, 16 straight times in the 50s. There was a, there was yeah. a point where yeah. – we had maybe it was during the Osborne era or something where we didn't have this stretch of like losing so many games in a row to a team. And now it's been like seven to Iowa. It's like seven or eight to Wisconsin. Texas has beaten us that many times. I mean, you know, it's you know, kind of added to the list. And to your point there, 
because I don't want I don't want to make this a this is not a negative talk here, Oscar fans. This is fun. This is the forum. Yeah. Um. This yeah. is all about. We just got to end those streaks. Streaks are meant to be ended, and uh, that's what 2022 is about. So. Well, that's exactly what when I say I'm tired of losing to those guys. I I, I uh, in my mind I'm thinking that's all going to end this year. It is. It is. Yeah. You know what? That's what the fan forum is about. It is going to yeah. end this year. Yeah. All those bad thoughts, Redcasters, fan formers out there. It's going to yeah. end this year. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. We shouldn't lose to Illinois. We shouldn't lose to Minnesota. Uh, you know, those teams have beaten us in the past, and, and that just shouldn't happen. Uh, you know, that I, I don't know. Maybe it's that me being, you know. They always talk about uh, Nebraska fans are always stuck in the 90s. and I'm, Yeah, they keep score. They keep records. We keep yeah. track of that stuff. And it's the same way if, if – uh, if uh, when we beat you in the nineties, if that didn't count, uh, why does it count that you beat us in 2014? Yeah. So, yeah. But, For all the, you know, yeah, they keep track of that stuff. Yeah. So. We'll, we'll get this thing turned around. I have all the confidence in the world. We'll get it turned around. And when we do those same schools and those, those uh, opponent fans, uh, they'll be stuck in the 2010s against us. And that's fine. I don't yeah. blame you. So yeah. um, yeah. enjoy it. Enjoy it while you got it. <laughs> and Iowa Nebraska fans are going to appreciate it more yeah. when, when we get yeah. it back. Yeah. Iowa football tradition since October. <laughs> Check out the new alumni hall store in uh, downtown Lincoln there. Um, we have now got a great promotional code, which you can use. It's the Redcasters code of dad 22 that you can use up until father's day. So pass that along to your wife, text it to her. Um, you know, if you're ladies, if you're listening out there and you have someone special in your life, and you want to get them something nice for Father's Day, make sure that you use Dad22 as the code. Save 20% on your order. And you can also check them out at alumnihall.com backslash Nebraska slash Cornhuskers. And, uh, you know, they've got some of the best Husker gear available for you out there in Lincoln. So make sure to stop by and check that out. Well, We'll appreciate it. I, I think the one thing is Nebraska fans will appreciate it so much more when it comes back. I, I remember being in college in the, the late 90s, and all I knew was nine and 10 win seasons. And and by the way, th those weren't good enough, right? I mean, we we got to yeah. win 11. We got to, you know, if you win 11, you got to win 12. Dan McCarney, you said at Iowa State, he created his own his own standards that, you know, and that's what happens with coaches. They, they create standards and then uh, it's hard to meet sometimes. Devaney was here for five years, and all of a sudden there was a petition to get rid of him after 68, and he built the the standards that were were up there. Well, Nebraska, when we when it was the late 90s, I remember like I was like, how would I be as a fan if we ever lost? Because that just seems so un, unthinkable. I mean, we don't lose games, so how would I be as a fan? Well, now I've seen it. And to your point earlier, we've seen the fan base show up time and again and sell the place out time and again. And I was at the Colorado game in 2019 uh, in Boulder where there's 30,000 fans that make the travel, you know, to, and we took over stadiums. That's what's happened even in these lowest of times. And that's what makes me, I'm prouder as a Husker fan in, in a weird way today than I was 20 years ago when it was easy to be a Husker fan. If you're a Husker fan right now, you've been hardened through all that. And uh, we've been hardened through five years of doing podcasts and we, we started this in April, 2017. And it's been a, we've seen well, a lot of losses, but we're still here. Yeah. That, that's one of the things I guess I've, I've noticed now, you know, and particularly I think of my son who's 18 years old and he just hasn't grown up with Nebraska football being as, as uh, 
prominent as it was when I grew up. And, and uh, you know, going to, you know, his games and seeing some of the school kids, um, you see them wearing Oklahoma shirts or you see them wearing uh, shirts from different schools. And it's like the local kids aren't uh, uh, enamored with Nebraska uh, anymore. Uh, well, I shouldn't, say any, I shouldn't say anymore, but mm. not as much as as when we were in school. Boy, you, you, there was absolutely, there was no way any kid was going to wear a Oklahoma shirt when I was in school. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there was no way a kid was going to wear a uh, shirt from another school. It, you never saw that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that that's where I, like I said, we get things going around. We, we, we start winning again. And, uh, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll be cool to be a Husker again. Yeah. And, and that's something, you know, when I started coaching youth football, I was telling you about in the late nineties, then doing it over the course of about 15, 18 years, the, I would notice that, that the 90% of the team used to wear Husker stuff underneath their pads. And then halfway through it was, you know, 50%. And then by the end it was, you know, kids were in Oregon and whatever it was. And we had on a fan forum about a month ago, we had Glenn Snodgrass, the head football coach at York and the father of Garrett. So current Husker. And he talked about how he has seen, to your point there, he's seen some of the reversal since Frost has gotten here. I mean, even with the losses, there is still, it is the 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 home state guy is back. There's a there is there's still tradition and there's a sense of that that's coming from the coaching staff and and that you know that does feed its way down. We're getting walk on programs back and going. I mean, this is we just need some wins. We just need some yeah. wins. Well. Jake, this has been a blast. It's exactly what I expected when we started this, which is we'll go for an hour and whatever, you know, we have a very loose, uh, you know, kind of agenda at these, these, but it's just let the chatter go. And it went, um, is tradition on our show to just let the, the, uh, guest, you get to finish it with your own parting shot, anything you want to say. So, uh, the floor is yours, Jake, go. Uh, well, gosh, I wasn't prepared for that. I, I guess the only thing <laughs> is, is I'm gonna I, I, I'm gonna say is uh, uh, I am optimistic and fairly certain that the winning trend begins this year. Um, I, I think they've they've made uh, the right changes in coaching staff. They've made uh, like you said upgrades in 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 player personnel. Um, and so I think I, here's, here's, I guess what I, I am hopeful for this year is I want Nebraska to be the lead story in college football one of these weeks. And, uh, I, I, I do believe that that's going to happen. And, uh, what, when, and, and that's either going to be a big win or it's going to be later in the year where they're going to say, Hey, Nebraska is back winning nine, 10 games again. So I really think this is going to be a pivotal year. Um, and I am very excited about this upcoming season. So. Yeah, I, I can't beat that. That's great, Jake. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much again. This is, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, you know, Redcasters out there, you can find Jake's work at huskertapes.com. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at huskertapes and also, Go to YouTube at Husker Historical Media. Uh, really, just a, it's a great service what you've done. It, it's a personally, it's a great service for us because I've been able to use some of your stuff now on, sure. on our shows, and I greatly appreciate that. So, 
Thank you so much, Jake. Really do appreciate your time here tonight. All right. I appreciate you having me. All right. Well, Redcasters, uh, that's another forum. But remember, you could be the next one to join us on the forum. Huda Media Production.